Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? Doing great. We had the finale this past Sunday of Survivor Philippines. Uh, I can say, it was for me, it was predictable. I pretty much called everything, but definitely a deserving winner, and it was entertaining. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, it didn't... The finale was an adequate cap to a very good season. Yeah. I think uh, jury questions, some of them were pretty phenomenal. Uh, Possibly, in my opinion, one of the best tribal final tribals in a long, long time. Yeah. So I that that was definitely strong. I I really liked the reunion. I thought he they did a good job of talking with everyone and sort of sharing it, um, as opposed to you know a lot of times they'll just have random audience things and focus 90% on one person and then the rest of the time people don't even get to speak. So I thought they did a good job with the final tribal council and reunion. Right. Well, and at the reunion, you got to make everyone earn their 10,000 bucks. <laughs> Can't just have no one talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are doing something special for the finale uh, podcast. We are going to have a bunch of mini casts. So we were trying to think of maybe one person that we wanted to talk about the finale, and we couldn't narrow it down to one. So what we're going to happen is we're going to have lots of mini casts with different people getting their uh, thoughts on the finale and the show as a whole. So we're going to be talking with Justin today, as Justin has been on our podcast for many seasons now. He was on earlier this season talking about the storyline. We're going to wrap that up. What was the storyline of this season? How did it come or how did it end up and everything? In the future, we're going to be talking with Nicole, former podcast co-host, and get her thoughts of the the season and her thoughts on the finale. We're also going to be talking with Jay Fisher of the Historians podcast. We had Mario on last week. We're talking with Jay Fisher. Uh, so he he's always fun to talk to. And then finally, we're going to be talking one more time with Yao Man Chan. And hopefully, we can get this Brazilian's uh, wax story. <laughs> as a, a little Christmas treat for everyone. So that's what we have uh, planned, so stay tuned for all of those. And uh, for so, throughout some of these, we'll have confessional counts and historical analysis at the beginning of it. But uh, should we get to our interview? Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, we now have Justin back with us on the podcast. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing good this season. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing very good. Now, we talked to you earlier this season about sort of potential storylines. Um, so let's, we're going to focus uh, with you about the, the storyline. You have a, a blog that you, I think today that you posted, um, all about your thoughts on the storyline of this season and everything. But can uh, you give the people a brief sort of overview of what you think the storyline this season was? Yeah, I just finished the blog today, and basically it summarized that were two main storylines that came to a head in the finale, and the two main storylines were Scoopin and Lisa's storyline of do I go with the game or do I go with my heart, which we saw them anguish over for most of the season, and then the other one was Denise's very subtle storyline, which was everyone has a story. So obviously, you know, this season they like to tell or I mean, on Survivor, they like to tell sort of the winner's story. Um, we saw that definitely with Kim, but we saw the other story with uh, Troy Zan, as you had sort of mentioned, and they sort of come to a head. Obviously, One World, it happened a lot sooner than this one. But can you give us some sort of hints along the way that of Denise's storyline that maybe people didn't catch 
as they were first watching it? Yeah, uh, thank you for being very kind to me to say that I sort of said Troy Zan had an important storyline. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Denise was very subtle in there throughout the season. The first major hint was obviously in the first episode. And this is actually uh, one of the people I talked to about the show, uh, Ralph, in the, you know, the story analysis group pointed this out. She said in the first episode that everyone has a story. And she said that specifically about Zane. And she really tried to get to know Zane and figure out what was going on with him, even though he was on the way out. And that sort of continued throughout the season. And the main thing that Denise did throughout the season was they showed her voting a couple times and sort of narrating with those votes. And then the major thing was her sort of being a therapist towards Abby, where she would sort of pick her apart and be like, well, Abby, why do you act that way? You know, Abby, that doesn't make sense. And she was still trying to understand Abby and reach reach through her and, and figure out her story. And one more thing. The other thing that he said, and this was what I really wrote about in my blog, is she talked about value and figuring out what everyone's value was and showing up on her back. Definitely. And then you have the other storyline then with Lisa and Scoopin, and then basically the, for them it was always sort of this struggle and this inner conflict of which way do I go. Correct. And... Fortunately, this was the difference between, you know, Troy Zane versus Kim and Mike and Lisa versus Denise and Malcolm. Fortunately, that storyline culminated in the, the final tribal council before the jury tribal council. So the editors really lucked out that they could stretch it out that far, you know, first episode to last episode. But yeah, it was basically, do I go with the game or do I go with my heart? And we saw this the most with Lisa, but Mike still struggled with it too. I mean, through the merge, he was bouncing between, do I vote with Penner, do I not? Do I vote with Handay, do I not? Do I vote with RC, do I not? And if you actually look at it, I just realized this today, voted my, uh, reading my blog post, they, post-merge, if you look at the entire jury, they worked with and aligned with, but also worked against and voted against every member of the jury. Those two people did that as a unit. And that's completely ridiculous. Wait, wait, Lisa and Scoopin didn't. Yes, if you look at... Because there was at least one vote where Lisa and Scoopin didn't vote the same. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about as a unit, if you look at the two of them. And they played the game as a unit. They didn't play it as individuals. Right, but there was at least one tribal council in which Lisa and Scoopin did not have the same vote. Right, right, I'm agreeing with you. But what I'm saying is, like, Scoopin didn't backstab artists because he was never in an alliance with them. Okay, I see I see what you're saying. I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Right. So Lisa did. So even though, you know, they were eventually aligned and got to the end together, because as Penner said, they were the two oxen that Denise rode to the slaughter, because they were seen that way by the jury, as a unit, they collectively both allied and were and went against everyone on the jury. And that's because they were playing this bipolar game almost. And you know, we saw it the most through Lisa where she wanted to be loyal and portray herself as a good person, but on the other hand, she wanted to play this purely mechanical, as it's referred to, game bot game, where she was going with the numbers. And finally, that culminated in the end, where Scoopin won final immunity, and he had to choose between Malcolm, sort of the, the uber fan, who wants to do the, the numbers game and do everything he thinks he's supposed to, and Denise, who they liked more, and they, they showed in the This is the editing, of course. I don't know who they liked more in real life, but... <laughs> A finale where Denise was like, I really bonded with you guys. And they did that intentionally to contrast who they were going to go with. And ultimately, they, they chose to go with their heart. 
and and not not saying that if they went with their head that that they would have won, but the whole thing was like with Denise, she's her her head and her heart were one. It wasn't she didn't have that conflict that they did. Right. Well, and, that, and that's the irony of it, right? They got to the end, and either way they picked, they would have lost, right? Malcolm would have beat them as well. I mean, that was, that's pretty well substantiated. But they went with Denise because you know she was the one who, by showing her value, made them feel the most meaning. So they went with their heart. But like you said, the irony of it is that Denise understood something they didn't. Because when they brought it back at the end, they brought the story thing back in the last episode very strong, where they said over and over again, you know, it's all about the story we tell to the jury, the story we tell to the jury. But Lisa Scoopin's story was just, we got here, and we got here by voting all of you out. Where Denise's story was, I got here by showing each of you my value. So she was able to work with the strategy, which was what she did, and with her heart, which is why she did it, which was showing her value. And this is something we've seen consistently throughout Survivor, throughout the seasons. In your opinion, was this? How did this storyline compare to others in recent seasons? Did you enjoy watching this storyline and seeing how it progressed, or were other storylines uh, you thought were better? I enjoyed it because it it was fortunate that the, it went wire to wire. Like I think One World suffers from the fact that Troyzan goes out so early and they edited a Kim versus Troyzan storyline. So for like the last three or four episodes, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, Kim wins because she's so dominant. And you can appreciate her gameplay. You can say it's one of the best games played in the history of Survivor. But as far as like having tension in the story, you don't really know. Whereas in this one, you know, you get to see the Lisa and Mike train wreck all the way through to the end, all the way to the last episode, because like I said, it bookends nicely, and then you get the Denise win, win at the end. So as for a sort of longevity, I enjoyed it, but I do think it sort of lacks a little bit of sort of a specialness to it, because I think it was kind of just Sophie 2.0. And I don't think that's by any fault of the editors or any fault of Denise, but they just played such similar games. Because if you recall Sophie's Final Tribal Council, it was very, it was very similar where she defined what Survivor was and said why she fit it. And Coach and Albert were kind of just like, you know, Albert was very much like, I did this, and tried to get around it, like, directly offending people. Coach tried to apologize and back out of it because, you know, they contradicted their religion, their heart, where Sophie was just able to be like, yeah, I did it. There's one moment in, the, in that tribal council which really stands out where Sophie's like, just very plainly, she's like, no, Albert didn't do that. I was a strategist. And then Albert tries to claim he was, but he couldn't because he was all over the place. So I think to a certain extent, the story of this season suffers from that a little bit, where in the final Tribal Council, they kind of had to edit Denise out because her Tribal Council, her performance was so dominant over the season and her win was so dominant, they wanted to hide it and make it seem like Scoopin' had a chance. Because if you remember, it was Denise gave an awesome opening statement and then disappeared from the final Tribal Council. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think uh, I think even Lisa, after a while during the final tribal council, started to have a chance. I mean, some of the things that she was saying, I, I'm blanking on the specifics at the moment, but I think they edited it, and even I was buying it at a certain point that one of the two of them could potentially win. Yeah, I mean, I was so confident at that point that, I mean, based upon the fact that Mike's final vote, or Mike's final win and him and Lisa choosing who to go to the finals with so parallel at the beginning that I was confident that Denise was going to win, especially because they had, you know, they had Penner early on and then Abby echoed it where Abby was like, you know, Denise is going to win. 
and Penner said, uh, you know, Denise or Malcolm's going to win. And even Russell and Malcolm said very early on, if she gets to the end, she's going to win the jury vote easily. You know, all that evidence made it obvious to me that they were editing her out of the final tribal council. So it sort of, you know, lacked that tension. And I didn't believe the other people were going to win because of that. But that's just because I was reading the editing and not necessarily going with it. Yeah, what did you think of how uh, Abby Maria ended up? Because when we when we talked to you last, I think it was right at merge time, seeing her her sort of storyline coming, and what what did you think of her after it all was said and done? Uh, I mean, storyline wise, what did I think of her? Or you know, entertainment wise, or you know, just in retrospective, any way you want to look at it. Uh, I think the, the the major thing about what we said last time was you asked me and I said she was the next one to go, right? <laughs> or you said she didn't have a lot a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the interesting thing about her is she sort of took a little bit of an upward turn in her arc where she wasn't as much of a villain, where she sort of became a weird quasi underdog. Mm-hmm. But I guess she was supposed to be the villain because one of the things that was interesting to me is. And I don't know how other people saw this, but it's clear now with the way Denise won, how we were supposed to see it, was that Abby was the villain of the season. And she lasted all the way to five, and like, she made it so they had to turn on Carter because she won immunity that time, which was, you know, Carter was supposed to be like a Jesus-like figure or whatever. Because remember, uh, Scoopin said he played the game like Jesus would play it, which <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I mean, Jesus is a temper, right? Just going into temples and throwing out the money letters. So. <laughs> uh, um, I guess it, it depends if you're talking Old Testament or New Testament. But, um, well, Jesus didn't exist in the Old Testament. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. So <laughs> I say it corrected, or I'm not a biblical scholar. I, anyway, yeah, and it's interesting. I guess she was supposed to sort of be the the villain, which was like the one kind of chink in Denise's armor where Denise really got frustrated with her. And I remember there was that one reward where everyone left, and they left Denise and Abby there. And I guess maybe that was sort of the metaphor of the season there, if you go back and look at it. I mean, I have to rewatch it. I'm kind of just spitballing right now. But remember she said, it's, I'm, just, I'm just sort of surviving. I'm just sort of enduring. And she was trying, you know, she tried so desperately at all these tribal councils to reason with Abby and talk to her and figure out what Abby's story was and what her value was. But Abby insisted on just being anti-value. <laughs> and if you look at it that way, the villain is the opposite of the hero, right? And Denise is the hero of the season. So what did, what did anyone who was associated with Abby do? They just bombed horribly, right? RC tried to ally with her. Well, it destroyed her game. Pete tried to ally with her. Just tried to, it destroyed her game. Artist, it destroyed his game and his edit. He became a non-factor. <laughs> all because they allied with Abby, where they should have just cut her earlier. Because Abby was just filled with this negativity and this... And then and this is just this hatred almost. And, you know, they tried to say, was it cultural? But I think maybe Denise trying to reason with her was sort of the metaphor of the season because that's what she did with everyone. And, you know, her overcoming it was because she was the opposite. She tried to find the value in everyone where Abby just tore everyone down. And I think the, the editors were, once again, very fortunate that Abby lasted that long yeah. because it gave them more of a, a story to edit. Whereas if it had been Carter the next one to go before or after Abby, it wouldn't have been as interesting because it would have just been like, oh, well, obviously he's not in the floor. So they, they kind of were able to drag out the Abby is evil and Denise is trying to reason with her storyline a little more. And that was sort of hidden. It's the interesting thing is that was hidden underneath of 
the the Mike and Lisa storyline. You know, that seemed to be the dominant one because Lisa has such a big personality, obviously. I mean, she's a former television star. So they kind of layered them in that way. What was Malcolm's downfall in this game from a storyline perspective? Uh, well, for him, it's, it's interesting because Malcolm's sitting there claiming he made the same mistake as Penner, right? But from a storyline perspective and from a reality perspective, I don't think that was Malcolm's mistake at all. Denise said many times, I'm going to go to the end with this, the strongest. I do not want to go with a goat. I do not believe in that strategy. I would rather sit there next to the strongest. And if you remember, she flat out said to Malcolm, let's force a 2-2 tie. I will go and battle Lisa in a challenge to go to the final three. She offered Malcolm that. But what did Malcolm do? Rather than try to go with his strongest ally, who is also a good person, he said, oh, I'm going to stab you in the back. Now, he didn't say that directly. He said it indirectly. And Denise is good at reading people, so she flipped on him and voted him out. But that was really his mistake was – he ultimately chose anti-value over value. He chose going with the game. This idea that I'm survivor, I like to refer to Nicaragua. This is what I wrote about in my blog post. You know, Chase thought that many could flip-flop all over the place. And Sash thought that many generally could just lie to everyone. You know, sort of the Russell factor. I'm just going to be a bull in a china shop and just treat everyone like crap. They think that that's what survivor right? Going with the game is like, oh, well, I'm supposed to lie, cheat, and steal. That's survivor. And that's ultimately what Malcolm fell back upon. Even though he played this game the whole season of being really close and allied with Denise, he violated the one thing he had treated as sacred the entire time. And by doing that, it caused him to get cut and voted out of the game. Now, he's always going to see it as making the same mistake as Penner and not lying to her. But who's to say she wouldn't have figured out he was lying and went to them with the offer anyway? Really, the, the play was to take that deal, and he would have been in the final three and had a chance to argue around her. The problem was he was just so afraid of her. But here's the other thing. If you get to the final, if you're Malcolm and you get to the final three after having found Denise, are people going to say to you, well, why should we give you the million? You even voted out your closest ally. You weren't loyal to anyone, you know, in the same way that Mike and Lisa weren't loyal to anyone. Whereas if he went to the final three with Denise, he could stand strong and say, oh, no, I was loyal to the end, and I forced the tie and risked it for my closest ally. In the same way that, remember, the final four in Cook Islands did that. When, remember, Yule played that game where he, you know, what did Yule never do? He never treated Becky wrong. He never treated Ozzy wrong. He never even treated, uh, what was her name, Sandra? Sandra. Sorry, wrong vowel. But he never treated her wrong either. But they decided that was the most fair thing to do. And ultimately, that's what won you the game because five people voted on, you know, using the mind and voting on principle rather than just pure physical. In the same sense, you know, Malcolm showed himself to be, like I said, a, a more game ball player because he's bought into this idea that Survivor is just lie, cheat, and steal, and backstab. Oh, I just think, I think Justin hit kind of Denise's storyline and the reason that she won perfectly. I mean... When she said on day one, everyone has a story and decided to listen to Zane. I mean, we've seen time and time again on Survivor how simply listening to people and becoming their friends can can win you Survivor. And I, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a totally legitimate strategy. And we even saw that as far into the final tribal council when, when Malcolm told Denise to stop nodding. You know, even though that's her therapist's kind of instinct, but nodding at somebody, I think, is a really big physical sign that you are listening to them and you you respect what they have to say. And I think the fact that she did that throughout the game 
helped people believe that she was honestly interested in what she had to say. And so I think, Justin, you hit it on the head. Well, right, and that's why it's a very Sophie-like game, right? Because Malcolm said she was appeasing, but she turned around and said, no, I'm observing and I'm gathering information, I'm using that. And that's what's figuring out everyone's story is. And that's very similar to what Sophie did in South Pacific, where people thought she wasn't sort of in control, but she was in control in that sense. So, yeah, I think it. I think what we're starting to see with the editors is they're getting better to show sort of the, the Sandra and the, the Vesepia game and the Jenna game that people didn't really have respect for in the beginning because they didn't really know how to edit it. And they're, they're, they're editing it in a much more clear way. Well, I think that's because more of those people are starting to win. So they have to start editing it so that way it looks like they deserve to win. It's a little both. I certainly agree with that. But I think it's a little both. The editors are getting better and the players are getting better as well. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. This is the third season in a row now where we've had sort of a female a female winner and someone who I would say is a very deserving female winner. We've seen them control the game maybe in their own way. I would say... You know, with the observation with Sophie and uh, and Denise, and then I mean Kim controlled the game in almost every way. But it, it's interesting. Is is this because the the males on the tribe are getting too caught up in like you said this whole game bot thing where I have to lie cheat so I have to do this. You know, that's how you play the game, and then you know, come final travel council, then they <laughs> they quickly learn from the jury that that's not. <laughs> what you need to do to win. Uh, that's certainly true. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily every guy, and I don't think it's that, that that's different from anything in the beginning, because if you look at the history game, there are always people who played like that. I mean, Rob C. played like that. Johnny Fairplay played like that. In the beginning, Boston Rob played like that, and it wasn't until he grew up and learned from Amber by his own admission that he didn't play like that, and you didn't see the change till Heroes vs. Villains and Redemption Island. So I don't think it's solely a gender thing. No, yeah. Brenda did it. I mean, Brenda, Brenda is huge for overplaying in Nicaragua. So I just think it's, I think it's more what the general perception of Survivor among the fans and the people who go to play yeah, I wasn't necessarily saying it was a gender thing, but maybe in these seasons, the big ones like Malcolm and and other people, the the standout males this season have seen and coach and people like that have seemed to fall into that same thing of playing the game, whereas the the people who happen to be all females, you know, these past three seasons have been the ones who have, you know, as as you said, you know, their heart and their their game were on the same page. Oh, I see. Well, David- David, you're forgetting the biggest game bot in the history of recent seasons, Russell. Well, right, exactly. I mean, that's, that's part of what this is. This is sort of the Russell era, right, where he started showing people that, like, oh, I'm just going to play with, you know, it's the game and not have my heart in it at all, which is why ultimately he cried, because that's what happens if you try to ignore your heart, you're going to you're gonna hurt yourself. And I'm using heart metaphorically, of course. Yes, yeah. I do agree that, yeah. I think I heard one of the things that, that Judge Probe said once is, you know, people complain about sexism and everything, and he, simply, and he said simply, there haven't been as many good female players on the show as there was males in the beginning. And, you know, if you look at the history of the game, I'm inclined to, to agree with that. I mean, Sandra is tremendous. 
and Vesepia played a good game, and Jenna played a good game, and all of those were brought back. Well, Vesepia wasn't, but, you know, Sanders won twice, Jenna was brought back, and unfortunately she had to leave because of her mother. So there were some good players, and I guess Tina was good. So there were some good players. But you look at now, I think, you know, excluding Sandra, I think these three players that we just saw win, Sophie, Kim, and Denise, I don't uh, I think they're better than any female players we've seen in the game so far. I and mean, you say what you want about poverty and fans versus favorites. I think these three performances blew away, blew away poverty. And the only reason Sandra I would rank ahead of them is just because she simply won it twice. But yeah, I think Probst saying that there weren't as many good female players is true. But I think that's being alleviated now because I think these three women are in the upper echelon of survivor players ever. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, uh, Justin, were there any other thoughts or comments about this season that you had before we let you go? No, uh, I'm interested to see what happens next season. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious to be able to deduce something that's going to happen next season from the reunion show, and I think that'll be interesting interesting to watch. And I'll talk about that more in retrospect next <laughs> season. Sounds good, and we will uh, love to have you back on next season at some point to uh, discuss the storyline. We'll try not to have it episode one, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, we'll try and do, like, merge. I think it's better to do merge and end again because it lets us kind of look at what's going on. I mean, I was fortunate this season that I was able to really hone in on the scooping thing in the first episode. But uh, last thing I'd just like to say is check out my blog, themidside.blogspot.com. Just like I did a great season... Uh, wrap up with Sophie that a lot of people enjoyed. I just wrote one about Denise and how she won and what it meant for the story. I actually really like this one a lot more than the Sophie one. So so check it out and kind of see what, what value has to do with winning Survivor. What does it mean to focus on value and why does that help you win Survivor rather than just lying, cheating, and stealing? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a link to it also on our website, um, so you, that's another way you can check it out. But uh, thanks again, Justin, uh, for your thoughts uh, at the merge time and now. And uh, hope you have a, a great holiday. You guys too. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and see you in February. Bye. All right, so there we had Justin. Uh, it's always good to hear the storyline uh, sort of of the season and stuff that I don't pick up on, and he's really good at sort of figuring that out. Yeah, definitely. He, I think and he, he hits it spot on every time. It's really amazing what he does. Yeah, and be sure to check out his blog, themidside.blogspot.com, and uh, read it more in depth of how he says the storyline goes. But uh, we will have more mini-casts coming up for you, so stay tuned for those. Anything else you have, Jeff? Nope. Oh, one quick thing. want to give a congratulations to the three survivors who made it into the Hall of Fame this year. Rob Sesternino, yes. uh, Ethan Zahn, and Amanda okay. Kimmel. So congratulations to the three. Congratulations. Well, we will be back. I don't know the exact time uh, that these will be released and how fast to get them, but we will have more coming up with Yao Man Chan and Nicole and Jay Fisher. So stay tuned for the rest of the minicast. Goodbye. Bye.